48 weeks ago, we began a journey together alongside Paul in pursuit of more of Jesus that we're going to be ending together today. Romans chapter 16. And as I said last week, it's almost entirely about people, how they fit into the flow of the kingdom of heaven. And so as fellow citizens of that kingdom, fellow followers along the way, well, let's enjoy the close of this remarkable letter. Romans chapter 16, and I'll be reading as always in the Phillips translation. I want this letter to introduce to you Phoebe, our sister, a deaconess of the church at Cancrea. Please give her a Christian welcome and any assistance with her work that she may need. She has herself been of great assistance to many, not excluding myself. And the implication here is that this woman, Phoebe of Cancrea, was the actual person who physically carried and delivered this letter to the Roman believers. Imagine being that person. To arrive to Rome with the only physical copy of Paul's epistle to the Roman fellowship, and then to stay and listen to its being read. Also of note, she is the only woman Paul ever mentions as holding the title of deacon. So I'll say, Phoebe, she's something. Let's keep listening. Shake hands for me with Priscilla and Aquila. And this is the same couple that we've met multiple times over the years uh, in Acts, 1 Corinthians, and 2 Timothy. And here's their story. They were banished from Rome by Claudius. They settled in Corinth, where they met and worked with a roving apostle named Paul. Then they accompanied him over to Ephesus, where they met and actually discipled a teacher named Apollos. And then obviously at some point they have moved back to Rome. I'll keep reading. They have not only worked with me for Christ, in the Greek, sunergus, fellow workers, the word from which we get synergy, but they have faced death for my sake. And the Greek here actually bears mentioning too. What Paul actually says, this is very literal, is, quote, who for my life their neck have lain down. Like these two would put their throats under the executioner's sword for Paul. So they have been synergists and to the death partners of Paul. I mean, these are the kind of friends that I'm looking for. Not only I, but all the Gentile churches owe them a great debt. Give my love to the little church that meets in their house. And I love imagining that picture. And right after that, we then dive into a stretch of names that are, I would say, less known to us, but they were nevertheless as dear as can be to Paul's heart. So here's what I want you to do. I want you, as I read a little bit at length here, to listen to the way he writes as he's thinking of all these people. Just listen. Shake the hand of dear Eponidas, Asia's first man to be one for Christ. And of course, greet Mary, who has worked so hard for you. 
A handshake, too, for Andronicus and Junius, my kinsmen and fellow prisoners. They're outstanding ones among the messengers and were Christians before I was. Another warm greeting for Amplius, dear Christian that he is, and also for Urbanus, who has worked with me, and dear old Stackish, too. More greetings from me, please, to Apelles, the man who has proved his faith, the household of Aristobulus, Herodian, my kinsman, Narcissus's household, who are Christians. Remember me to Tryphena and Tryphosa, who work so hard for the Lord, and to my dear Persis, who has also done great work for him. Shake the hand of Rufus for me, that splendid Christian, and greet his mother, who has been a mother to me too. Greetings to Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermes, and their Christian group, also to Philologus and Julia, Nereus and his sister, and Olympias and the Christians who are with them. Give each other a holy kiss all around for my sake. The greetings of all the churches I am in touch with come to you with this letter. I was struck this week not only with the tone of these personal greetings, but also by the specific words and descriptors Paul uses. In the original language, I want you to listen to all the adjectives and titles he gives to these friends. Just listen. My beloved, a first fruit who toiled for you, my kinsmen, my fellow prisoners, of note among the apostles, who were ahead of me in Christ, my beloved in the Lord, our fellow worker in Christ, my beloved, approved in Christ, my kinsmen, those who are in the Lord, those toiling in the Lord, the beloved who toiled much in the Lord, the chosen in the Lord, his mother and my mother, brothers, all saints, all of Christ. I wonder what strikes you as you listen to all those. If we happen to run into each other in the next few days, you should tell me. I'm going to keep reading now. I'll be in verse 17. And now I implore you, my brothers, to keep a watchful eye on those who cause trouble and make difficulties among you in plain opposition to the teaching you have been given and steer clear of them. Such men do not really serve our Lord Jesus Christ at all, but are utterly self-centered. Yet, with their plausible and attractive arguments, they deceive those who are too simple-hearted to see through them. Friends, I think these words are remarkably timely. And just let me be very clear about what I mean. The purpose of our human lives as humans redeemed by the Lord Jesus is the extension of the kingdom of heaven as far as we can take it. I'm going to read that again. The purpose of our human lives as humans redeemed by the Lord Jesus is the extension of the kingdom of heaven as far as we can take it. The kingdom of heaven is not 
a political kingdom. It is a heavenly kingdom whose throne room is in the hearts of people. And we want them to know the king of kings who is meant to be sitting right there on that throne. So, anything we do, be it career, hobby, interest, or polity, must conform to that purpose. And what I mean is, every choice we make must be for the extension of the kingdom of heaven into more hearts. If hearts are not opening to Jesus because of our lives, because of our career, hobbies, interests, or politics, then we are failing to live up to our purpose. Nothing must interfere with our purpose. And hear me clearly, everything that does is a waste of our lives. So this section, 17 and 18, is a a challenge to the Roman believers to be careful of those false teachers. I am imploring you, do not be false yourself. Let's continue. Your loyalty to the principles of the gospel is known everywhere, and that gives me great joy. And you know, we've done this before, and I'm sure I'm going to do it again at some point, but if we were sitting across a table from each other, if you happen to be an anchor this upcoming Sunday and we were talking in the room there, I would ask again, what are the, quote, principles of the gospel? Or in other words, what is the gospel? Can you enumerate it? Can you explain it? Can you tell me very succinctly and simply, what is the gospel of Jesus of Nazareth? And you might recall that I often point to 1 Corinthians 15 as the simplest statement of it, which is really Christ lived, Christ died, Christ rose again. And with those three statements of fact that Paul gives us in 1 Corinthians 15, Well, there are, yes, some underlying things that can be extrapolated. For instance, if Christ lived, that means that, well, he was born. That, in fact, he descended from the throne to take on flesh. And if he died, there was a reason for him to die, which was our sin. And if he rose again, it means that he is still perpetually living. And we know that as the risen Jesus, he then ascended to heaven to actually intercede for us at the right hand of the Father. All these are parts, yes, of the good news. But again, the good news, the gospel of Jesus is that he died, that he rose again, and that he lived in the first place. Those are the three parts. Those are what we have to take to heart every single day and then go live it out as the good news that it is. We continue. I want to see you experts in good and not even beginners in evil. It will not be long before the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And I know I've already gotten greeky a couple times today, but it'd be all right if I just went ahead and did it once more. Did you know that the Greek word for grace, charis, is also the root word for the Greek word for spiritual gifts, charismata? And by the way, well, it should be, by the way, because the spiritual gifts must be birthed from a place of grace. And a supernatural grace is best proven by gifts 
of the Spirit. This past week, I was reading in good old uh, Thomas Aquinas in his Summa Theologica, and I found that he actually similarly got caught up on the similar wordings of those words in Latin. And so in reading Thomas Aquinas, I came upon this absolute loveliness. And I just want you to listen to this. This is so good. He writes, The closer any creature draws to God, the more it shares in his goodness, and the more abundantly it is filled with gifts infused by him. Thus, he who comes closer to a fire shares to a greater extent in its heat. But there can be no way, nor can any be imagined by which a creature more closely adheres to God than by being united to him in unity of person. Therefore, in consequence of the very union of his, Jesus's, human nature with God in unity of person, Christ's soul was filled with habitual gifts of grace beyond all other souls. And so habitual grace in Christ is not a disposition for union, but is rather an effect of union. So friends, like Paul, and in the gracious, gifting spirit of Jesus of Nazareth, I echo Paul, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. I'll keep reading in 21. Timothy, who works with me, sends his greetings, and so do Lucius and Jason and Sosipater, my fellow countrymen. Paul has just told me that I, Tertius, who have been taking down this epistle from his dictation, may send you my Christian greetings too. And oh, how I love that detail, by the way. Tertius, after all this time, all this writing, gets to say simply, hello. And thus his name passes down through the ages. Friends, I just want to remind you, we can all play our part in this, just like Tertius. Isn't that great? Paul goes on, Gaius, my host, and the host, as a matter of fact, of the whole church here, sends you his greetings. Erastus, our town clerk, and Cortus, another Christian brother, send greetings too. And now, as we arrive to Paul's kind of benediction to this letter, after all these weeks and months that we have spent in his company and in the company of each other in Jesus, I would just ask wherever you are right now, maybe you're driving in your car or you're taking a walk or who knows, just sitting in your living room. I would just ask that you would kind of change your posture, sit up a little straighter, kind of walk with your head held a little higher. As I read to you the final words in the book of Romans, this is verses 25 through 27, and I think it's a glorious benediction. Ready? Now, to him who is able to set you on your feet as his own sons, according to my gospel, according to the preaching of Jesus Christ himself, and in accordance with the disclosing of that secret purpose, which, after long ages of silence, has now been made known in full agreement with the writings of the prophets long ago, 
by the command of the everlasting God to all the Gentiles, that they might turn to him in the obedience of faith. To him, I say, the only God who is wise, be glory forever through Jesus Christ. My friends, he has set us on our feet. We are sons and daughters of God. The gospel, the words of the Lord Jesus, all the mysteries of God have been made known to us. The everlasting God has called us to himself, has taught us the obedience of faith by faith. So, may all glory, all our joy, all our worship be to the one who is our joy, Jesus. Amen and amen. And then as one final follow-up, as we finish out the book of Romans, perhaps you would listen to chapter 15 last week, and maybe you took to heart what I asked you to do if you listen to that particular episode. I, I certainly am excited to hear from my anchor friends this upcoming Sunday with how they responded. But in chapter 15, Paul talks about his calling, his personal calling, his ambition within that calling. And also he shares kind of a look back at how it's been going in his own life. And I challenged you in your own time and between you and the Lord to write down all three for yourself. So I want to be vulnerable I want to share with you as I finish out Romans, my own calling, my ambition within that calling, and just kind of a, a look back at this point in my life, how that's going. So here it is. Here's, here's my calling. Eugene Thomas Lunning II. I feel that my calling is to cause others to know Jesus, not just know about him, and to drive the body of Christ toward abiding in union with he himself. That's really, I feel, my own calling. And then my ambition within that calling? Well, I, I truly desire that every person in the world would become enamored with Jesus of Nazareth, like that he would haunt the minds and spirits of all humanity. I said to my friend Todd yesterday, we had lunch, there's a line in the writer Thomas Wolfe that I kind of echo as part of my ambition I want to, quote, snare the spirits of mankind in nets of his glory. And then what's my look back as I sit here as a 40-year-old sitting in his bedroom closet recording a podcast? Well, I am pleased to say that I feel like my calling is what I get to be about day by day and week by week. But to be honest, at this point, in terms of the scope of my ambition, it's not particularly large, and yet what a joy it is to follow Jesus day by day, week by week, month by month with friends like you. So if you happen to catch me one of these days, or you could drop me a text or an email, I'd love to hear from you. What are your callings, your calling, your, your ambition within it, and how's that going right now? Friends, after all these weeks and months of being in the book of Romans, I'm just so thankful for all of you who listen and for you who reach out week by week, I love to hear from you. We'll be taking a little bit of a break for the next few weeks, and then we're going to be diving in to the first written down gospel of all, the book of Mark. I can't wait.
Again, thanks for listening. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.